All right. We're ready, whether I want to be or not. (laughs) Okay, Luke chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 40, and I think we'll finish the chapter today. But I am not going further. Too big a change in subject for one, but anyway. So, Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 40. We'll go ahead and we'll read through it and then we'll come back. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So here we got lots of stuff happening. Lots of stuff. But let's open a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, dig in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these accounts here, and we pray that you would speak to us through that this morning, that we would grow and uh, appreciate more our relationship with you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are, and maybe just um, it helps a little bit to see sometimes the bigger picture, too. We We just finished... Where Jesus went across the, well, we started with him calming the sea. That one always gets me. It's like, wow, that had to be something, you know, to calm the sea. Stop the wind. Okay. There's been times outside where it was windy and all of a sudden it stops. I can follow that one. But the waves stopped. The water went calm. And we know from physics and and experience and everything, that's not normal. It's the, if you go to the ocean and there was a storm, 
the waves from the storm are still going for days lots of times. They don't just stop, and, um, but they did in this case. So we have him as, as the God that over, over nature, over uh, those things. Then he goes and he, to the Gadarenes, and he saves the, the man that, was, that had the legion. Um, and so we see that. And then we came, come here, and we have, um, as he comes back, the people are waiting for him. And he's going to heal the, the girl. And in between there, there's this parenthesis, sort of. There's this interruption, um, and he's going to heal the woman. And it's, so it's interesting here, if you kind of look at, it's a triplet in a lot of ways. First, it's a man and a woman and a child. And, and then you can look at it, he had power over Satan, disease or sin, depending on how we look at it, and we'll look at both a little bit, and over death as we come into these um, passages here. And so we see that. <clears throat> Another interesting thing with it is, and, and I can't think of any other, so I thought about it for a while, and I had a couple of commentators point out, this is the only this miracle with Jairus is the only one that is interrupted in the middle. God, Jesus doesn't get interrupted. He's got a thing to do and he goes and, and does it. Uh, but this is the one that has an, an interruption. Um, so you can think about that. And if you come across some, let me know so I can note that in my commentary or whatever that this isn't the only one that he interrupted. But I think it is. So we see Jesus interrupted here. Um, also interesting, if you have a chronological Bible, I was looking at it to see how they meshed these stories together a little bit. And plus it makes it easier to read the accounts. Um, and so I was going through that. And Matthew, this is called, this is subtitled or whatever, you know, those non-inspired things that they stick in all your Bibles if you have that, but it's, a girl restored to life and a woman healed. Mark is a faith born in desperation. And I like that one. I wish they'd have used that in all of them and used that in, my new, in, in the New King James too. Because um, we see that here. Both of them with the man, with Jairus and with the woman. It's faith born in desperation. And then Luke is healing a hemorrhage and restoring a life. Um, it's like, okay, you know, doesn't do anything for me particularly. But I like faith born in desperation. But the other neat thing that it did, though, is with 843 and 44 here with the woman, it says a scandalous faith. And we'll look at that a little bit because it, it is, and it's interesting how that, that works out as we see that. So, verse 40 of chapter 8. So it was when Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him. And I don't know, I, that one really hit me. Um, maybe it's because I'm getting old and, and tired out and all those things, I don't know. But, you know, here you were, you just did this big thing. You, you cast out a legion of demons out of this man. You healed this man and everything. You just stop the wind and the waves, all those things, and you come back to the shore, and here's this huge crowd just waiting for you. And I'm thinking, that, 
that's not me. <laughs> I would get back in the boat and say, okay, we're going somewhere else, you know? Start up the motor and let's go. Because <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm not a crowds person anyway, but here they are waiting for him. You know, he did all these things. He had these things to do. And here the people are waiting for him. And as I think about that too, I think that, you know, they all have their own agenda. They're, they're here to hear him teach, probably. There are some there that are probably there to have him heal them, or they hope maybe he'd heal them. Just to see the spectacle they're here to do. Um, and all those things. <clears throat> but Jairus comes and he's got a, a particular different motive. He's coming and he falls down before Jesus and begs him to come to his house because his daughter is sick and dying. And um, so, like I said, I, I like the one that's faith born in desperation. Here he comes. Now let's think about Jairus for a minute. He's a, he's a leader, or I forget how they mention it here, a ruler of the synagogue. So he's a, he's a somebody, at least in Jewish culture, he's a somebody. He's got charge of who speaks and who reads and who prays and all those things at the synagogue. That's his job, and um, he's probably a little more affluent um, than, than some or most, whatever. Um, so here he is, and he comes down, and, and he's so desperate, he falls down before Jesus. I mean, okay. I mean, you know, if I come and I have a question, I want to ask Mike to, to roast a pig for me. I don't come and fall down before Mike, grab him by the ankles or anything, and say, oh, please, please, roast me a pig. One, I don't take this wrong, but roast pig like that, just give me brisket or something. But the pig doesn't do a lot for me. <laughs> but here we are um, and, and seeing that kind of thing. And so we have that here. There came a man. One of the interesting things here, and, you know, I'm 68 now, so I don't know. How many times I've heard this, these stories, these Bible stories. And it wasn't until maybe this time or getting ready for this time, not, not in the last couple of weeks, but it, it dawned on me that the girl and the woman have something in common. Twelve years they have. This woman's been sick as long as the girl is old. And uh, it was like... Whoa, whoa, you know, done this story how many times and I've never, never put that together, <laughs> never thought about that, um, that here they are, they're, they're, they have that in common. So she's about 12 years of age, she's dying, and as he goes, he gets interrupted. And it's interesting, he doesn't, you know, how many times we see things where he shoves off or however, walks through the crowd, they're ready to kill him, and they, he walks through the crowd, whatever. But this time he allows himself to be interrupted, and so we're in a parenthesis here. There's a woman. She's been sick for 12 years. She's got this flow of blood, um, and, and we'll, we'll assume we all know what that is and everything, but if we go back to Leviticus 15, I think it's interesting because we don't always think about these See, numbers, Leviticus, numbers. I got to think of which one's first, you know. I always sing the Bible song, the books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, numbers. Okay, 
So Leviticus is before Numbers. Leviticus 15. We get there. 25 to 28. So here's here's the woman's condition. Um, religiously, faith-wise, or whatever. Leviticus 15, 28. But if she is cleansed of her discharge, then she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean, and on the eighth day she shall take for herself two turtle doves and two pigeons, bring them to the priest, the door of the uh, tabernacle meeting, and the priest shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for the discharge of her cleanness. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I... Started. Let's read from verse 25 now. <clears throat> if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days other than the time of her customary impurity, or of it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary, and she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies, all the days of her discharge, all shall be the bread of her, bed of her impurity. Whatever she sits on will be unclean. Whatever, whoever she touches shall be unclean. His, and and all those things. So, <clears throat> quite a quite a bit or whatever as we would see it. She's almost in the same category as a leper. She's had this flow of blood now for twelve years. She's unclean. She's not supposed to touch anybody. She's not supposed to, you know, nobody's supposed to be around her. She's kind of in isolation, um, as we see it here. But she's desperate now, and it's Luke the physician who uh, points out, you know. She spent all, all the money she's had trying to get a doctor to diagnose her and fix her, um, or whatever, and, and she's not. And Mark, it's interesting, one of the, one of the uh, commentaries pointed out that he's a little more abrupt or whatever, not so casual. But Mark says she's, she only got worse. You know? Not only did she um, not get healed, but she got, only got worse. She spent everything she's had now on doctors and everything, and she's only gotten worse. Um, <clears throat> interesting. It's interesting with that. Interesting her desperation, I think, um, as we see her. You know, She's not supposed to be around people or everything, but she's decided if she could only just, if she could just touch, well, let's say the border. I think that's a better um, translation than the, the hem. She's, it's not like she's going to get down there in this crowd that's, crushing him, and that's the actual literal words of it. Crushing, the crowd is so tight, so dense, that it's crushing him, crushing the people, um, to the point of having trouble breathing and everything. It's like, see, all the more reason to avoid crowds. But um, I don't, you know, I, I, I think about those things, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, can you imagine being there, and the jostling, and bumping around, and, and everything, and you can see him a minute, and then you can't see him, and this big guy gets in front of you, the size of Mike, and you can't get around him, and he's just, it seems like he's just standing, like the car, we, we had a car this morning, on the way in, and I think it came out of a driveway, but first we, the, in fact, the guy in front of me got ready to go around it, we thought the car was just sitting in the road, he was going that slow, and he stayed going that slow for quite a, a long ways, and, and, you know, here you are, and 
it's a no passing zone all the way across North Road. You can't pass, you know, you're really, you're back there. Now you're getting frustrated. You're gripping the steering wheel. Well, that's a lot of the same feelings these people here in the crowd have. They're, people are jostling. You can't see him. You came to see Jesus and he's there somewhere. I know he's still there. The crowd's here. You know, we haven't all started running yet, so he hasn't run, run, run away. We've got all this pushing and scratching and everything, that kind of thing. I'm sure you can get the feeling and think about it. And this woman somehow snakes through under that big guy's arm or whatever, and she touches the border of his garment. And she knows right away. This, this get, like, gets me. This is, like, interesting. It's the only one I can think of that's quite this way. And she knows right away she's been healed. Like, can you imagine the joy? Like, she wants to jump up and down and cheer and, and shout and everything. At the same time, she doesn't want anybody to realize that, She's this unclean woman and she shouldn't even be here and all that stuff. And so she's going to try to hide and melt away in the crowd, which is pretty easy. You know, I would think to just kind of wander away. You just kind of stand still and let the crowd go around you. Right. And, and you know, because she doesn't want to make a scene. She doesn't want to be embarrassed. You know, I'm sure part of it is she doesn't want to tell people how desperate she was and how how unclean she was. You know, 12 years she's had this full blood. But Jesus stops everybody. She stopped everybody. Well, maybe I should stop a little bit with the, with the border thing. I'm looking into that, and I'm thinking, you know, all these pictures of Jesus are, are not quite correct. If people would read how he was dressed or stuff, we would have pictures that were different. You know, one, he might be, he wouldn't be white, white, you know, he wouldn't be white. But besides that, um, and I've seen this a few times, but because <clears throat> at the rest area, we, there's especially different times of the year and, and stuff. We'll get a lot of the Jews come up from Philadelphia, New Jersey area. There's some camps up in New York here that they go to or whatever. And, and they stop in at prayer time and they go into the pavilion, the carousel area there, the big round thing. And and they get their prayer shawls out and they pray, you know, and everything. Um, and it's interesting. So you see that. <clears throat> Some of the commentators talked about what he had on was like, it's like a prayer shawl. And he would have it over his shoulders and the corner would be hanging down the back. Um, if we would look, and I don't think that we'll bother to go there, uh, Numbers 15. So if you just remember 15s back there, you'll be okay. But Numbers 15 38 and 39 talks about all their garments should have a, a blue tassel on the corners with a blue thread that goes through them and everything. Well, that's what she was aiming for. That's what she was touching was the blue border on probably his shawl. You know, we see a lot of them, and maybe it's fairly accurate, but I don't see how you would know it had blue tassels on it if it was a blue robe. But, you know, they put that robe thing over. It would be over your left shoulder and... Uh, come down around the side type thing, that kind of thing too. But it, like I said, I'm not sure if it was blue, like all of the pictures have, you know, blue or that bluish purple color, how you would know if it had tassels on the corner, um, where if you see their prayer shawls, it's, it's a dark blue border with tassels. They're obviously tassels, you know, like, anyway. So you see that, but that's what she's aiming for. That's what she's touched. Um, interesting to me that it would be, be that way but um, so she's touched him 
and he made me whole. And I, it's interesting to me, like, I don't know, and maybe I'm just remembering the stories wrong or the song, but you know that he touched me, oh, he touched me. And oh, you know that song, you, are you familiar? Is, and I'm thinking that's the same story, but he didn't touch her. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's backwards. She touched him and he made her whole. <laughs> but anyway, so she touches him, she's, she's healed, and he stops the whole crowd and wants to know who touched him. Now, I'll stop using Mike for, for um, example, but when I was growing up, there was this man, he was my Sunday school teacher a number of times. He's a wonderful guy, John Seshriba. And John Seshriba was probably pretty close to 6'6", and he seemed like he wasn't, he wasn't broad quite like Mike, but he was imposing because he's 6'6", and he doesn't look like a beanpole. And um, <clears throat> he, was, he was just intimidating, like you never wanted to get on his bad side, you know, because you figured he could squash you with one hand. Um, and so I'm picturing Jesus is not 6'6". There's nothing outstanding about him, but there's something about him when he stops the crowd and he says, who touched me? Everybody goes, <gasps> it wasn't me. I didn't. You know, I can, how do you silence a crowd? You say, who touched me with some authority like you, you know? Who touched me? And everybody's quiet. That's how I picture it anyway. Everybody's quiet. Peter, he's like, how can you ask who touched you? You know, even just standing here, we're getting jostled around. We're getting banged into and bumped into. How can you say who touched me? And I love the answer. Like, I felt power go out for me. Somebody touched me. Obviously, we're talking a different kind of touch here, you know. And I think of, I think of the, the world, how they want to um, side up to Jesus. And you know, I, I one time, you know, I can hear him. I saw Jesus in Capernaum, and and you know, we shook hands or. You know, he, he put his hand on my shoulder or something, you know. It's something, something claimed like you have some special relationship to him or everything. But when he asks this question, who touched me, are you going to be like, uh, uh, should I say I, you know? Like, and the lady, the woman, she's like, okay, obviously I cannot hide, you know. Something's happened. So she comes forth and she explains what happened that she touched him and everything like that um i love it you know i just but now the whole the whole crowd knows right they know what her problem was and that she was healed and, and all those things and i think of all the different times where jesus healed people and he said go show yourself to the priests or go do this or go do that and what's he say to her in verse 48 daughter be of good cheer your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Like, she's got to, like, melt, you know? I'm thinking she's just so great. Like, oh, I'm not, I don't, no longer embarrassed. He just called me daughter, you know, like a term of endearment, you know? And, and I'm supposed to be happy, which I am, but now the fear, the fear's gone. My faith has made me whole because I believed if I could just touch 
the hem of his garment. Not the hem, the border. If I could just touch it, I'd be whole. I'd be, I'd be made well. How did she come to that point in her thinking? How did she come to that point? If I could just touch it. You know, I, I often, like, we don't have any other stories where somebody just, later we're going to have, some of them could just touch a handkerchief of Paul's or something and they'd be healed, that kind of thing. But, you know, we, we haven't had any stories up to this point where if they just touched the, his clothes, they, they were made well. And obviously it wasn't just because she touched his clothes. Otherwise, you'd had all kinds of people healed. Some of them healed before they knew they were sick from bumping into them. But that's not the case here. So, <clears throat> I love it. I love it. She's healed immediately. Her touch was with a purpose. She's healed immediately. And she's not told to do anything special. Just your faith has made you well. Has made you whole. Go in peace. I'm going to read a little excerpt here out of Ironside's book. I'm not a big Ironside fan, but he had this passage, and, he's, and it's just got some interesting thoughts that tie in with this. In this instance, the Lord Jesus, having heard the healed woman's grateful acknowledgement, said to her tenderly, Daughter... Be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. What a blessed assurance these words must have given her, added to the thrill that had gone through her body when she touched the garment of Jesus. She knew her healing was complete, and she was never again to suffer what she had in the past, for she had contacted the great healer himself. Her case is a beautiful illustration of how men and women today, afflicted with the incurable disease of sin, may find deliverance when they reach out their hands in faith and touch the blessed Lord himself. Reformation will not give this deliverance, neither will joining the church nor participation in sacramental observances, but Jesus himself, received in faith, gives immediate salvation. We cannot see him now with visible eyes, but he is close beside us nevertheless, near enough for us to reach him in faith. For that which is seen is not faith. Faith consists in taking him at his word, even though our mortal eyes do not behold him. He stands beside every sickbed. He is present in every prison cell. He walks through the mart of, in, of commerce. He passes up and down the aisles of every schoolroom. He is close at hand in every home, and he says, as it were, to every troubled soul, Excuse me. just reach out the hand of faith and trust me, and I will make you whole. Think of his words so uttered uttered so long ago to a weary, restless world. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just a real blessing, blessed thought there as we um, see this. And now we'll finish up. <clears throat> oh, yeah. We'll finish up the, the story because now the parentheses ends. Um, while he's talking to the woman, uh, someone runs up to the to Jairus and says don't bother the teacher anymore your your girl died I imagine that's a kind of crushing like oh you know what he's he's now thinking man if that woman you know if that woman hadn't stopped us would we have made it in time you know, I don't know how long it took you know 
that kind of thing. I don't know how long it is from now when, they got, when the servant comes to when they get to the houses, you know? It's not like, oh, they were right in front of the door all this time or anything. We, we just don't know. <clears throat> and we, so we see that. It's also interesting to me as we see here that in verse 50 there, it's, you know, he, he tells him, and when, he says, when Jesus heard it, like he didn't talk to Jesus, right? I mean, maybe Jesus was right there beside him, but Jesus was talking to the woman when the guy came out. But when Jesus heard it, he said, do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I jumped, jumped ahead a little bit. Do not be afraid and only believe and she will be made well. That's what he says almost immediately, right? Wow. What a challenge, right? Don't be afraid. Just believe and she'll be made well. I know, you think she's dead. Just believe. And I think about how feeble our, our belief must be sometimes, you know? And I'm sure he's struggling. Like, okay, you can say that, but they just said she's dead. Like, what are you going to do? How can you do it? She, you know? And he does, he, he, I'm sure, senses all that, knows what he's thinking and everything. Verse 52, he says, do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. But he said, you know, I don't know. I can just really feel the struggle, the, the things going on <clears throat> there. And so they get to the house. When they come to the house, how far, how much time's elapsed? We don't know. But he gets there, and only Peter, James, and John, and mom and dad can come in with him. He also takes time enough to, the crowd ridicules him. They, they laugh at him when he says she's just sleeping. Like they've been warning now for, I don't know, long enough that they all got there. They're all wailing and moaning. And, you know, they had professional wailers and, and things that would come in and do that for you. Um, so they're going and they're, you know, trying to earn their money's worth here, making it as miserable and, and whatever as they can. <clears throat> and he's saying, no, she's not dead. She's just sleeping, and they so they laugh and they're ridiculing. And he gets them all to leave, you know. And I'm, I have all of these thoughts in my mind, you know, like he just glares at them a little bit, and they all just get up and go, um, or he just kind of ushers them out, and gentle as can be, you know. I don't know how he how he did it, but they all leave, and and they go in, and he takes the little girl by the hand and says, "Little girl, arise." Oh, was she dead? I would think, I would say, she's dead. Because the next, the next verse there says, and her spirit returned. Her spirit was gone, okay? It was gone. But it came back, because Jesus was there. Came back, and uh, she rose immediately. And Jesus, <laughs> it was interesting, the, the variety of comments you get that, because Jesus said, give her something to eat. Give her something to eat. Um, and, I, and I think of some of those, and, and I think you know, in different places, Jesus, when, when he appeared after the resurrection and he comes to the disciples, he asks if they have any food. And they, a, couple, a few times he asks them if they have any food. And it seems to confirm that there really is life there. He's really alive. This, she's not a spirit. She's not a ghost that, you know, you see rising up. Give her something to eat. She'll eat something, and you'll see that she's really flesh and blood. She's alive. Um, and so maybe that was it. And, and he charges the parents 
Not to tell anybody. Now, if you're a Don Francisco fan, you know this story. <laughs> Starts with, gotta tell somebody. <laughs> like, can you imagine? I, I'm just, this, that's maybe the part of, the story, of this particular story that gets me the most. It's like, how could you have that happen and not tell anybody? I mean, just like, how could you do that? You walk out the front door with the girl with you and, and the crowd goes, and somebody's got to say, what happened? And you're not supposed to tell anybody? I mean, anyway, if you listen to the, his song, <clears throat> they, you know, can't help it. They got to tell somebody, you know? Um, and so we see that here. It's kind of amazing to me. It's a, it's a wonderful story but and so watch these together um and you and you see this um another little interesting thing and i'm not gonna i like i didn't put it into the main part but it's interesting to me and it spoke to me or whatever you know here we have jairus he's he's all all jew he's all israel he's somebody in the synagogue you know he's a somebody somebody and everything and jesus interrupts what he's doing for him and heals this woman. All you really know about the woman is she was unclean. I mean, she might have been a Jew. She probably was a Jew, but I was thinking about it, um, and not a lot of them did anything with it, so I'm not going to do a whole lot with it. But it's an interesting... Um, now the word slipped me. But to see how it could be a picture of how Jesus sets aside Israel to deal with the sin of the world in a, in a broad way, and he's going to restore Israel at the end. He restores the girl. She's dead. I mean, for all intents and purposes. And, and we see dispensational. There we go. I knew it would come by. That dispensational little view of it. He, he doesn't point it out. Um, some of them picked up a little bit with it. As I was reading it, though, it's interesting how he does that. And, it, and, there's, and it's like the story doesn't stop, just like we see it um, that way. The story doesn't stop. He's still dealing with them, but... It's a different thing as we see it here and as we see it um, and he comes back to that and heals her, restores her um, completely. Um, and so we see that. Um, just some of the different things as we go. And one of the things they don't tell you, if you look in your chronological one or whatever, I think um, the one we have the big volume of his commentary. Anyway, <laughs> I'm having a terrible time. See what happens when you get old, you start. Anyway, Mike, Mark uses a McDonald, thanks. McDonald points out that this is the end right there, starting with verse chapter nine is gonna be the beginning of the third year. This was the end of the second year of his ministry. Chapter nine is the beginning of the third year, the third and final year of his ministry as we see it. So. That's where we are today. Um, it was fun. It was interesting. Um, and we'll continue on from there. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he's so responsive to our needs. That he cares. And he, and he takes the time and he knows exactly how to respond as we see it here. We pray that we would have the faith that we see exemplified in these two 
two stories, Father, that we would um, have that faith that's born of desperation, um, that would be strong, that if, if we could only do this, if we could only touch him, um, and also if we cannot be afraid and only believe, we just would pray that you would strengthen us and, and help us with that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.